Um, <laughs> I mentioned I'm feeling a little subdued. I might sit down some today. Is that okay? Is that okay? Uh, I got to be honest, there's, there's kind of a twofold. Uh, those of you that know, I, I, my leg is in, still in recovery. I haven't talked about it in a little while. It's still in recovery. I was reminded of that yesterday. Uh, for those that don't know, about a year ago, I had my second surgery in three months uh, to repair a torn quadricep. Uh, completely, the ligament completely tore. And so the second surgery was about a year ago. So first time I only made it three months from the surgery to the next. This time I made it 12. Um, everyday activity and even like on the treadmill working out has been fine and it's actually been really good. Uh, although yesterday I played a little bit of frisbee out on the soccer field and realized that lateral movements, I'm not there yet. So, uh, so if I'm sitting down, it's, it's, uh, I'm feeling a little subdued, but my leg needs a little break. It's, it's, it's not hurting too bad, but it is swollen. Uh, it's uh, almost the size of the other one now. Uh, not for the right reason. Not for the right reason. So, um, so yeah, but it was fun. Uh, doesn't matter. I had fun, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I said this in the first service, and I only sat down for like one time for like 15 seconds. So... As I mentioned, we are starting a new ser series today, uh, Compassionate Interactions, uh, and looking at these, these different conversations that Jesus has, has with people. And of course, Scripture full, full of, of Jesus' interactions, so there's so many choices, so many stories to choose from. And uh, we're, we've chosen 11 that we're going to look at, and I think each one has a different uh, perspective, a different thing that we want to draw out. Some of them do overlap in some cases. You know, there's some similarities. Uh, but I, I'm excited about this. And so over the course of 11 weeks, we're going to look at these. I'm going to do a few of them. Uh, Pastor Chris has one relationship that, that kind of echoed out to him, so he's going he's gonna to share, he's going to preach on one. Uh, Pastor Terry's got another one that has got one he's going to do, and then uh, Andy is going to do one as well. So, um, so right, Andy? You're not backing out on me now. I just announced it to everybody. Okay, no. Andy's going to do one as well. And so these are going to be a little bit different. Um, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, kind of, as I said, the format, I'm gonna, we're going to look at the story. We're going to look at the person. We're going to look how Jesus responds. Uh, and then we're going to see you know, what, 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 what characteristic, what thing do we see that pulls out of it? And then what does it mean for us? And uh, so, um, so I don't know. I may, I, may be, I may not be as excitable as normal. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I'm excited about these. Um, When I think about the compassion of Jesus, uh, I, I tend to, the verse I kind of go to is uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And to me, I think this is a foundational verse for who Jesus is, why he came, why, he, why he's here, why he interacts with people the way that he does, is because he came to seek and save the lost. And really, that's what compassion's all about. These, these people, they're lost. They don't know him. That relationship has been severed. It's broken. There is no re existing relationship. And he wants, out of his compassion, he wants to uh, 
fix that. He wants to re-engage. He wants to be in right relationship with people. He wants them to know him uh, the way that he knows them. And so uh, I, I would say that as we're thinking about this and processing it, really that John 19.10 is, is the overwhelming verse that, that kind of umbrellas this whole thing. It's out of his compassion to see people reunited, reconciled to him that he goes to these people, that he came in the first place because he wants all of us to know him. We've all been given a gift. If we know Jesus is our Savior, we have that gift. And I know we say that, but we often just hold on to that gift and we don't let other people experience it. This first week, we're going to look at Andrew. And I know we think of Andrew, we think of Andrew as his disciple, someone that knew Jesus. But we're going to look at their first meeting, and the reality was, in this moment, Andrew was seeking. Andrew was lost. Andrew did not know Jesus at this point. He's going after him. He's wanting to find out who Jesus is. And so I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to look at John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1 and uh, read verses 35 through 42. I put my glasses somewhere. All right. John 1, 35 through 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asks, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this um, recording of history that we may look at it and hear from you. Lord, open our hearts, our ears, our eyes, our minds to receive what you would have us receive today. Fill us with your spirit. Draw our hearts closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are, beginning of the book of John, a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, Starts out with who Jesus is. Starts out with John saying, I'm not the Messiah. John testifying about Jesus and who he is. And the next day, when he sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. 
So Jesus is in like day two or three of his ministry. I mean, he's just starting out and John's already proclaiming. And, and, uh, and so it's interesting because what we have here, John proclaims this and two of his disciples, we don't know how many disciples he has, but here's two of them that are standing there when he says this. And uh, as soon as he says this, the two of them say, okay, if that's the Lamb of God, then we're going to go follow him. And that's what they do. They take off and they go follow him. When I think about this, I'm saying these, these, these guys were seeking. These guys were looking. They were trying to find out. They were hanging out with John, and John's telling them, I'm not the guy, but the one that is the guy is coming. And so when John points them out, he readily, they readily say, let's go. And they go, and they go following. One of these guys is Andrew. They go up to him. They're following him. Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? I don't, I don't think he said it in a rude way. <laughs> I don't think he said it in a rude way. But, he, but yeah, what do, you, what, what do you want? What do you want? What are you looking for? Why are you following me? What are you hoping to find? What are you hoping to get, what are you hoping to get by following me right now? What's the point? What do you want? Anyone ever ask that question without being annoyed? What do you want? I, I, I don't know. I don't think he was being rude. Maybe he should have said, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What do you want? They say, where are you staying? He says, come and you will see. Jesus invited them to come and hang out and be with them. And it says that he does. They, they hang out. They spend the day. Um, I don't know what kind of day it was, but they spend the day. It was so much so that at the end of the day, he goes straight to his brother and he says, we found the Messiah. I, I, I love the story. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And I think we often skip over it. We often read it and kind of keep going. Or we get quickly to the part with Peter, because Peter's the one, right? We get to Peter. It doesn't matter what Andrew did. We, we, get, we get straight to Peter because Peter's the one that, that he builds the church on, right? Peter's the one that we need to pay attention to. But it's Andrew who was the one that was seeking. We don't know a lot about Andrew. Uh, he's only mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. He's only mentioned 12 times. Four of those times he's in a list, you know, so it's just mentioned. So it's really only eight other times that he's truly mentioned. Uh, the name Andrew means manly. Anyone want to change their name to Andrew, guys? Manly. Andy says, I'm already there. Manly. He's brother to Peter. Peter is, uh, is listed first, so most likely Peter was older. Okay? Peter was older. So, of course, when you find out, when the younger brother finds out exciting news, he's going to go tell his big brother, right? Go tell his big brother. Uh, either Peter was was older, one commentary I read says either Peter was older or Andrew just really wasn't that important. It said that in the commentary. I'm like, well, that's nice. Uh, I think he was very important. I think he's very important. Andrew and Peter were fishermen. We, if, if we've read much of scripture at all, we know that. Uh, but Andrew's also a disciple of John the Baptist. 
it, 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 it wasn't, you, you just didn't become a disciple. You didn't just follow. There, there was, there was in, in the tradition there, the Jewish tradition, you didn't just become a disciple because you wanted to be a disciple. Uh, usually, most of the time, high majority, you were chosen to be a disciple. Um, you chose. Someone chose to follow someone. Many consider Andrew the first disciple called by Jesus. The first one. Um, Andrew is the one that finds the boy with the loaves and fishes and says, here's a boy. He's got, he's got what is it, five loaves and some fish. What, but what's that going to do with all these people? Andrew's the one that found him and brought him to Jesus. Um, as far as was he important or not, I, I don't know if you want to say ranking, his ranking among the disciples. Uh, if we look at Mark chapter 13, verses 2 through 4, there's a conversation taking place. Jesus says, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple with Peter, James, and John. We know those three, right? They're the big three. Well, it says, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? So here's Andrew. I don't know, is this just a case of little brother hanging out with big brother and his friends? Or is he part of that higher group? John chapter 12, verses 20 through 22. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in, in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Philip could have just gone straight to Jesus, right? But he goes to Andrew. Goes to Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip go together. So for me, Andrew has got a relationship with Jesus. Andrew has some kind of rank, I don't know, among the disciples. That's the only way I could think to say it. Some, some kind of, he, he's one of the guys. He knew Jesus well. I believe that Andrew was seeking the Messiah. Andrew was truly seeking after the Messiah. And when John points out the Lamb of God, Andrew goes straight to him because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The compassion of Jesus saw a seeker in Andrew and invited him to spend the day with him. Man. Um, depending on the translation, you know, NIV says four o'clock. It may have been earlier in the day. It may have whatever. Um, some think that maybe it was the day. Some say that they might have stayed the night, you know, whatever, but spent significant amount of time. I don't know what Jesus was doing. I don't know where he was going in that moment. I don't know what his purpose was. But as soon as someone comes and says and starts following, he says, what do you want? He says, where are you staying? Come and see. And Jesus invited him to spend time with him. Could, could, if someone came up to you and said, hey, where do you live? Could, could we do that? <laughs> maybe he didn't take him straight to his home. Maybe he didn't take him straight to where he was staying. Maybe, maybe he had some things to do on the way. And so he just said, well, just come and see. And by the way, I've got a few stops to make, but you can come with me and then we'll go get there. I, I don't know that he went directly, but he, he, he invited Andrew to come along until they got there. 
And then I think about the conversation. I think about the conversation. What did they talk about? What kind of questions did he ask? What did Jesus just share? What did he say? So the way they worked for Jewish boys when they were young, um, younger, about school age, when they were ready to go to school, they, they would go to school, they would go there, and they would begin learning, and they would learn, the first thing they would try to do, that they would attempt to do is they would take the, the, um, the first five books, the Torah, and they would begin working to memorize them, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized. Anyone got one of those memorized? Anyone got a chapter of one of those memorized? In the beginning was, no, that's John. Wait, wait. Uh, I mean, all five of those memorized. That was the goal. The the boys that could do that would then get to move on, okay? Because they're kind of like the best of the best. If you can get those five memorized, you're doing good stuff right there, okay? So they would get to move on. They would get to continue their education. Um, and so they would get to move on, and they would go on to the next part of what uh, they looked at as their, as their um, Bibles, their scriptures, and they began memorizing. The rest of them, those that couldn't hack it, those that weren't good enough, they went home to learn the family trade. That's what they did, okay? But those that got that memorized, they got to move on, and they got to memorize more. They got to look at, now, the prophets and those books, and they began memorizing those. And eventually, they would have the whole thing memorized. That's the best of the best. The best of the best would have all of it memorized, okay? These are the ones that continued and eventually would become probably rabbis themselves, would interpret it their ways, uh, but before they could become rabbis, they had to become a disciple of a rabbi first, okay? And so if they made it to the point where they had all of that, all of that memorized, then a rabbi would come along and would notice them and say, come follow me, be an invitation. And so for these guys even to hear that from Jesus was not something in their culture that was strange to them. It was something that they almost kind of looked forward to. If I've got all this memorized, I hope someone comes and says, come follow me because they've chosen me and now I get to walk with them and learn from them. Now, we know that Andrew and Peter are fishermen. I mean, so there's some work going on. So I don't know at what point did Andrew not make the cut? Had Andrew just not had someone asked, but he's a disciple of John. So did John come along and say, hey, come follow me? Did he find John out in the wilderness and see what was going on and hear what he was preaching? He says, I like this. I want to understand this. I want to be a disciple. I, I, we don't know what happened there. But what I do know is I believe that what Andrew knew about the Old Testament in that conversation with Jesus allowed him to find what he had been seeking. One day, one afternoon, one evening, whatever was said, Jesus revealed himself to Andrew and he says, I have found the Messiah. With what Andrew had learned and known and then with that conversation, Andrew said, I found the Messiah. And he was so excited that he goes straight to his older brother, Peter, and says, I found the Messiah. I found him. 
Jesus meets Andrew, he is seeking. He is lost. And he takes time and spends time with Andrew. He reveals who he is, and uh, he wants to do the same for us. But he also begins a three-year relationship with Andrew personally. One of the things that we've got to be careful of, I, I think we're, we're good at, well, I'm not going to say that yet. Jesus took time and built this relationship with Andrew. They spent time together. They spent three years together. And, and, and I don't think that that was three years in just teaching. I believe that was three years of life together. And we see that so much more, so much more than just teaching, so much more than just learning, living life together. Jesus didn't reveal himself to Andrew and then leave him alone. He said, come follow me. The kingdom of God travels along relationship lines. The kingdom of God travels along relationship lines. Rarely, people do. There, there are times where someone who doesn't know someone proclaims the gospel and the Holy Spirit uh, falls on that person and they accept Jesus and they go. But most of the time, and even think about your own personal life, um, how did you come to know Jesus? I came to know Jesus through, because of my mom. Because I had a mom that was praying for me and praying that I would come to know Jesus. Relationship line. I knew my mom, I trusted my mom, and so the things that she told me, I knew I could trust. I knew I could believe. How many of you came to know Jesus through a relative? How many of you came to know Jesus through a friend? Any of you come to know Jesus without some kind of pre-existing relationship? Some people did. But a lot of times it's through relationship. Jesus met Andrew and began to build a relationship. Uh, we see this in Jesus. Uh, disciple, when we hear disciple, I also think we also think of mentor. Mentor, would you agree? A mentor. These guys are disciples. They, they are the mentees. Mentor, mentee, however you want to look at it. Disciples, they're followers. They're learning from. They're doing life together. I think it's important. One of the most important things about a mentor, mentee relationship, disciple, uh, disciples type relationship is time together. They spent time together. I, I don't know how many times, I don't even know if anyone knows this, but when you look at the Gospels, and if someone does know this, share this with me, I didn't look it up, uh, but how many days out of the three years are actually recorded in the Gospels? I mean, we don't see all 1,000 plus days, right? All 1,000 plus days of Jesus' ministry is not recorded here in Scripture, so we don't know what every day looked like. We have a snapshot of different days. So we don't know, but we do see in Scripture, we see in the New Testament, that Jesus would often take the disciples and get away from the crowds and spend time alone with them, praying, teaching, living life. They spent time together. In a mentor-mentee type relationship, those are things that we need to do, is spend life together. It's important to do it. They spend time together. They lived life. Andrew, uh, uh, Jesus was not just a teacher to the disciples. 
He didn't just teach them. He trained them. He taught them. But he also just showed them what it meant to go through life day by day. When I was in youth ministry, um, the students that, (laughs) yeah, for the most part, this wasn't true of all of them, but for the most part, the students that were the hungriest for Jesus had parents that were the hungriest for Jesus. It's just how it was. You know? The students that valued um, a relationship with Jesus came from, from parents who valued. You know, I, youth pastor, there, there are a few that I can think of that I maybe had a true impact on without the help of their folks. You want to see kids that are on fire for Jesus, most of the time it's because their parents are on fire for Jesus. And there's a healthy relationship. But it's because that relationship has been there and they've lived life and they've seen their parents in this situation and in that situation. They've seen how they respond and they see that that relationship with Jesus is real and they want to be a part of that. So in a disciple-mentor-mentee type relationship, uh, they spent time together. They lived life together. And they did have times of training and equipping. There were times of training and equipment. Just like with my kids, there are times of training and equipping. What's nice now is that, you know, my boys are old enough that they get to do some of that training and equipment with my daughter, you know, uh, because they've learned Of course, now none of them are home, so I get to do it all again. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the story? Good story. Andrew was seeking. Andrew finds the Messiah. Jesus invites him in, spends time with him, reveals himself. And then he takes him on as a disciple and spends three years with him. Andrew does continue uh, afterwards. Uh, there, was, there was a book written called The Acts of Andrew. It was not accepted as canon. It's not in there. Matter of fact, some of the stories in there were quite um, exaggerated from what I understand. Uh, the early church fathers did not accept it as a gospel book. It was pushed out of the way. Uh, but there is a current tradition. He did, Andrew did then travel after after uh, the crucifixion and resurrection, he did travel to many other countries and shared the story of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and people um, came to know him. Um, Andrew, the, according to tradition, was, was, um, was killed for his faith. He was crucified. Uh, but he, like Peter, like according to the tradition, even as Peter was not crucified on the cross upright, uh, but said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be crucified like my, uh, Savior, and so he had it tilted, and so that's the, the X that he was on instead. And so we, we know the X being Andrew's cross. That's the tradition that comes along. So he was martyred for his faith. What do we do with all this? I think there's two things that we do with this. First of all, are we seeking a relationship with Jesus? Are we seeking a relationship with Jesus? And, 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 and I would say, I, yeah. It doesn't matter if you are new to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, if you've been with Jesus for 50 years, are you seeking a relationship with Jesus? Because it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Are we still seeking? Here's the reality. God is real, and he loves us, 
and he created every single one of us. He knows us. Our sin separates us from him. As long as we're in this flesh, our sin is here and part of us. Our sin separates us from him. And sin cannot be done away with by good deeds. We cannot do anything. The, the way we choose to live our lives, there is nothing we can do that takes away sin. Nothing. Nothing. It's only because Jesus paid for our sin on the cross that we can have a relationship with him. That's it. It's only because he paid the price. That's the only way our sin is taken care of. Are we still seeking after him? Do we accept that gift and then continue to seek that gift, the giver of that gift? The good news is, is everyone that calls on him, if we seek him, everyone that calls on him will have eternal life. We'll be with him forever. We'll be with him forever. And the good news for that is that life with Jesus starts now and it goes on for eternity. Now. Life with him starts now. It's not just a heaven thing. Life with him starts now. Are we seeking him now? Every day? Or do we live life for ourselves? So what do we do this? Are we seeking a relationship with Jesus? The second part of this is are, are we intentionally building relationships with others to lead people to the Messiah? Are we intentionally building relationships with others to lead them to the Messiah. As soon as Andrew realized, as soon as Jesus revealed who he was to Andrew, he had to go tell Peter. He had to go tell Peter. I don't know. Maybe it's the little brother saying, I found him before you did. But he had to go tell his brother. He had to. This is what I was going to say earlier. As, as a church, and I would say not, not just not our church, as an American church, we are good at finding other believers to spend time with, hang, hang out with, and even mentor or be mentored by. We are good at finding other Christians to do that with. And, and, and we encourage it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing to do. It's good to do. But we're good at it. We're good at finding other Christians to spend time with. I, I don't think we're, I said we're good. I didn't say we're great at that. I said we're good at it. I don't think we're very good at finding non-Christians to hang out with and spend time with to point them to Jesus. I, I don't think we're very good at that. Some people are, but as a whole, we are better at hanging out with other believers than we are about hanging out with unbelievers. And I think that we need to be better. We need to build those relationships. Uh, John 20, 21 says, uh, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was sent to find, to seek and save the lost. And then he says, as I've been sent, now I send you. That needs to become our heart. That needs to become our passion is to seek and save the lost. 
through Jesus. We don't save them. Jesus saves them. A couple ways that we, I think we can do that. One is, um, you know, Jessica and I on Sunday evenings, uh, we invite people to our home. We spend time with them. It's what we enjoy doing. It's, it's not just for good food, although we usually do have good food. Um, but it's because we just en- we enjoy building relationships with people. If we have not invited you to our home yet, um, don't wait for the invitation. Just come up to me and say, so what's a good Sunday? Because <laughs> there's a lot of y'all. <laughs> and we'll figure it out, okay? We have good food. Um, but it's a great time to get to know people. Uh, I think our discipling communities is a great way to do life together. Our discipling communities, uh, we encourage you to be find one and be part of one because we don't want that one thing just to be prayer or just to be Bible study. We, we want your discipling community to be something that you do, you do life together. If as a discipling community you only talk to each other once a week on the day you come together, then we would like you to expand your discipling community to more than just that one time for just that one thing. And if you're not part of a discipling community and want to be, come let us know. We want to help you get plugged into a discipling community. Maybe we start a new one. Because it should be about building relationships and doing life together. Um, The other thing, and we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, is our presence in the community. We've got to get to know our people in the community. It's very easy as Christians for us to just hang out with other Christians, isn't it? It's very easy. It's very easy. Who are we intentionally getting to know that doesn't know Jesus? And again, I'm not saying be out there all the time everywhere. But ask God to show you a place where you can meet people that don't know him and spend time building relationships so that you can help seek and save the lost. Because we need to do it. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Maybe it's just the same restaurant repeatedly where you get to know the staff. We all got to eat and we all like eating out because then we don't have to do the dishes, right? I've shared this before, but when I lived in Montana... um, I like cheap breakfast. I, I, I have some interesting ideas about how I should pay for my food and how I shouldn't. Uh, breakfast to me should be cheap because it's just, that's how I like it. So I had a place that I could get a $2 breakfast. And we didn't have tax out there, so it was truly $2. <laughs> and so I had a place that I go to three times a week and have a $2 breakfast. Over time, I got to know the, the, the lady behind the counter. When, when she found out I was a pastor, she says, I don't go to church. I don't want to go to church. I'm like, I didn't ask. Um, she just volunteered that information. Three times a week, $2 breakfast is cheap. Six months after she told me I don't go to church and, and uh, she didn't want to go to church, she walked in to our church on a Sunday evening for a ladies' Bible study. I didn't even recognize her. I had never seen her with her hair down. I didn't even recognize her. And part of it, too, was different place. You know, I saw her at this place all the time in her shirt for that place. And now she's wearing regular clothes, and she's standing here in the lobby of our church. I didn't recognize her. Um, but we got to talk, and uh, 
She came Sunday nights for a while, and then she started coming Sunday mornings. We're still in contact. Um, matter of fact, she sent me a message a couple weeks ago that just said, I'm no longer at Alliance Church, but I'm over at this church. And I, I know the church that she's at. I know the pastor there. And she says, thank you for introducing me to Jesus and to people that love him. Because my life, my life is different. And it's so much better. And, and it's so cool to see some of the posts because you just, she's just growing in leaps and bounds. And it's amazing. All because I wanted a $2 breakfast. We just have to spend time and we have to look for those people that are seeking. We have to, we have to be intentional about building relationships. I'll be honest. I got tired of that $2 breakfast. But I kept going back because I knew there was a connection there. I knew there was a connection. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to wrap up. And it's just two questions. Are you still seeking Jesus every day? Are you still seeking Jesus? And then two, are you intentionally building relationships for those that might be seeking him? Are you helping to seek and save the lost? Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you sent someone to tell each of us about you. Each one of us has a John the Baptist that says there's the Lamb of God and pointed. And I'm thankful for that person in my life. And now, Lord, I pray that I could be that person for someone. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you. And thank you that we can help others have a relationship with you too. It's in your precious name we pray.